that end we thank you for your son Jesus who is the propitiation for our sins the author completer of our faith he is the one true and living God maker and creator of all things all things consist by him we're so honored that he lives in us Father we thank you that we want to encourage that part of us that is born of your spirit by building up in your word understanding your word giving full attention to your living word in Jesus name amen and praise God amen <clears throat> so I thought we'd talk a little bit about uh, about uh, the ministry over what we say Jesus ministers over what we say because it's important to understand the purpose of confession um, <clears throat> in our lives and the purpose for um, our, uh, how we activate our covenant, how we walk in covenant, uh, what covenant living is all about. And, and if we remember that all words, Bible says, we will give an account for every idle word that we speak. And idle really means non-faith words non-righteous words an idle word is one that won't produce it it won't produce according to God's covenant so we if you're accounting for words then it seems that we would be careful of the words that we say we would be heart uh, concerned about the the heartfelt uh, words and and, uh, putting those forth because those are the things that God honors. Idle words are words of, that just are not going to produce. Then what are they good for? Why are you talking if, if it's not to a purpose and a good end and all that kind of thing? And so, you know, many times, like the Bible tells us sometimes, put away foolish jesting. And uh, see, those are idle words. They're, they're not, uh, we have to remember we have eternal life in us and we have to always be willing to bring that forth and not worldly things that are you know uh, uh, you know kind of cute or funny or something like that you know I mean there is a place for humor there's a place for joy but then there's uh, idleness that there's no good purpose to what we are uh, affording our time and our energy toward and so God wants us to be people of purpose and purposefulness uh, starts with what's in your heart and in your mouth because that is where your covenant is expressed and that is where your relationship with God is centered Uh, the Bible talks and let me turn to Romans 10 so I was thinking about that and I want to put my eyes on it Uh, start in verse 5 it says for Moses describes the righteousness which is of the law that the man that does those things shall live by them so Moses brought us the law of course we know that was only a shadow of the real things to come which were uh, a life in Christ so then there was a law that, that if you didn't live them all you, and you broke one, you were guilty of breaking the whole thing. And so the, the law is not something we can pick and choose to obey. So when you come into the new covenant, you realize that there must <coughs> be a, 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 a replacement for the works of the law of the, the Old Testament 
because people couldn't fulfill it. You know, it was frustrating. You get out and you slip up and say one bad word, or you, you know, you you get under pressure and you steal something from somebody or you lie to somebody, and you were guilty of breaking all ten of the commandments. So you had to go to the priest, present an offering, and got real tedious. There was a, a day of atonement where the whole nation would come together, and it's like, okay, all you backsliders, you know, John, you know, you didn't didn't make that offering when you stole that calf from your neighbor, and Sally, you come over here because you've been, you know, cussing out the kids and all. You know what I'm saying? So everybody gathered at one big time once a, a year, and the high priest went before God to to make sure everybody was in the clear at least once a year you got me and so if you were devout you you showed up at the priest whenever you did wrong you understand and and so the non-devouts and the devouts kind of got lumped in together once a year and that kept the nation pure before God so that God didn't leave everybody so it was a very hard to keep up with system it was difficult and so the people longed for messiah who would come and alleviate the things that were hard for them like if you tried to obey the ten commandments without god right now you'd quit in fact we all used to live like that we think well you, you get deeply convicted about something and you say well i need to do good so you get up and go to church where you hadn't been going for a while so you showed up or you'd be like the they call them easter lilies and poinsettias people that show up on christmas and easter you know and, and that's all and you don't see them the rest of the year and so uh, people live like that and that's legalism you're outside of god's covenant of grace and peace and you're living a a a guilt a guilt motivated type of relationship with god is very distant you don't know him your sins aren't forgiven and you're trying to work your way out of the guilt that you feel when you disobey and that's the way the nation of israel lived and you can see why one day they would say well let's just forget this let's go worship baal because look at all the fun and people over there are having and they don't have to do all this ritual and we feel guilty all the time anyway so why are we doing this and that's the way they lived and they longed for relief from it so they they knew messiah would come and he would alleviate all of the things about the law that seemed so hard to accomplish he would take the difficulty out of obedience to god and so that was moses system verse six it says but the righteousness which is of faith so moses had a righteousness under the law there was righteousness there it had to be because they could go to god and get stuff it you know he had to take a sacrifice and blood was shed and it made atonement for your sins and so you were then righteous amen because you put your faith in that you brought that sacrifice you obeyed the law you disobeyed god brought the sacrifice and that atoned for your sin or covered your sin and you were righteous again and it went on until you messed up again you go back bring another sacrifice etc etc so there was a righteousness that god honored but he knew the people would get weary of it it was set up that way 
to teach people right from wrong and to teach people that there had to be a better way that would come well here's the better way the righteousness which is of faith speaks like this say not in your heart who shall ascend to heaven that is to bring Christ down from above or who should descend into the deep that is to bring Christ up from the dead in other other words Jesus is not either up or down but he's near us he's not distant he's near so the righteousness that's of the New Testament that is of faith and he says but what does it say it says the word is nigh thee or the word is close to you even in your heart or in, in, in your mouth that is the word of faith which we preach that if you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you shall be saved for with the heart man believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation so new testament righteousness has to be in your heart and in your mouth amen you can't love jesus in your heart and never confess him as savior and think you're saved many people live in church with a what they call maybe like a peaceful relationship with christ but they never really have been truly born again of his spirit because they don't know to do this that's why when people people who who preach salvation they when they found they call this the roman road that was what you had to do to make sure people were born again so that they weren't just close to god and felt drawn to him and felt um, uh, a love for him but they really had made that confession according to new testament standards that they confessed with their mouth what they believed in their heart see when you say jesus come into my heart and be lord of my life then you are saved amen a lot of times people will do it say for instance people who are in uh, kind of dead denominational churches catholic churches where they kind of love god and and some people just are are take it more seriously i guess more devoted but they never hear preaching on the gospel they never tell you how to be saved they never take the time to pray with you let you repent of your sins and they lead you to the lord and you have a witness for that happening in your life and so they'll they'll somehow figure out how to get a little closer how to get because god will honor the faith that you use he'll make sure that process for you gets completed and so if if then there's a next step sometimes they'll start to be drawn to people who are deeper in the things of god you know the story we go and we get led to the lord or somebody will say well tell me your testimony and you don't remember when it actually happened they say well come on we'll pray now you know and you make sure that you're saved though that's that's the important thing and then you know uh, then you, you want the the baptism in the holy spirit where you 
you know for certainty that you have obeyed the laws of faith to be born again. You obeyed laws of righteousness to be born again. And so uh, it, it is sad that the devil will separate people from real knowledge of these things. And they'll be in church every every Sunday. They'll be in church <clears throat> continually and not really ever have invited Christ in so that they know that they know that they know that they follow this law of righteousness here so that they can be judged righteous before God. And so uh, I can remember uh, years ago when I was a new Christian, you know, still at home because I wasn't my mind wasn't healed enough to go and be be outside of the home very much. Uh, I remember I watched the 700 Club on a regular basis, and I'm so thankful for that ministry because they still stop and share the testimony. If you've never invited Jesus into your heart, pray this prayer with me. That is so vitally important. We should never get away from the basics of righteousness. This is where people meet the Lord and righteousness comes into their heart. And so once you have the spirit of God living inside of you, then your heart will change. Your habits will change. Your activities will change. You know, you're less religious, more righteous. I put it that way. And so God has a way to convert everybody. But this is how your covenant is established initially by believing that he died for your sins and he's raised from the dead and then confessing him as your savior invite him in Jesus I thank you be my savior forgive my sins take my sins away from me I want to live for you all of those are expressions of the desire for righteousness and so once you have him living inside of you you have to follow this same procedure for everything that you receive by covenant so this is your initial Uh, acceptance of the covenant and then everything else you desire from God comes the same way by believing in your heart say for instance that you're healed believing in your heart that God wants you to prosper believing in your heart that God will give you a, a, a spouse and children believing in your heart all of the things you desire come the same way so it's important to understand confession not just as saying, but also saying what you believe deep down. What do you really believe on the inside of there? A lot of times we're trying to believe in our head and don't really have it in our hearts. And so, you know, sometimes you'll, you'll catch yourself because you'll say, for instance, when we do our prayers here, sometimes if you are accustomed to praying a certain group of prayers, regularly and and then all of a sudden you get a different group of prayers you don't delve into some prayers that you don't pray on a regular basis and you look at that and say i should really be praying this because this is <laughs> this is where i am right you know understand what i'm saying so so many times the faith that we need in our heart for our confession will come will it'll be quickened to us you know what i've been declaring i'm healed but this healing prayer looks a little foreign to me 
you know i mean i I don't think that one is is true because we all pray it regularly at least should twice a week should be praying for your health and for your finances but but my my thought is this some of the other things you need in your life God can can make you aware. You know what? You need to get more faith in your heart for this thing. You need to spend a little more time meditating in this direction, less time meditating over there, you know, and get it together a little bit better so I can give this to you. So when you start uh, confessing what you believe, there will be faith in it. See, it will be a righteous confession. If you really don't believe what you're confessing, uh, you're lying to yourself. That's where many times people get worn out confessing because they just don't really believe in their hearts. Now, there is a point where your confession, if you meditate on what you confess, even though it's not really believing, you're not totally believing in your heart, you will get there. Because so the confession really is for you so that you can hear those words and you can mix those words with faith and then as you continue to confess there's more faith added to your confession every time you say it instead of just confess 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 to get it out of the way and I did my duty and see you're putting yourself under Moses law when you do that See, you're just legalistic and you're not mixing it with faith and making it a righteous confession. So that's what we want to do. We want to make sure our confession is righteous. It helps you if you get in the word. If you, if you read Isaiah 53, 4 every day and then you meditate on it and you go confess it. and Thank you Lord I am healed. I'm healed. I am healed. You'll find yourself, your spirit begins to strengthen in it, take hold of it, and remember it. And you don't focus so much on your feelings. What's wrong? How you feel? How did this happen? What do I do about this? I don't know. Should I try to trust God or should I go to the doctor? You know, we shouldn't be having arguments like that forever. We should be sold on the word. Amen. And then there comes a time when natural things really don't help. You know, you get on that road, it might take you a long time to find a pill that does you some good. And so, the, you know, these things are not just automatic. So we think, we, we all want to avoid any kind of effort, I think, at these things. I know that's true of me. I have to watch myself not wanting to put forth the effort to get in the word in areas where I know I need help. Or get in a word or you know something like that. So, so we have to discipline ourselves to live this life of covenant living by faith in Jesus Christ. So Hebrews 4. Did I do that 4.14 yet? Okay so Hebrews 4.14 tells us seeing that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens Jesus the son of God let us hold fast our profession what does that mean don't let your confession slip over into talking about the way it appears to be in the natural we will say things like well I'm just saying it like it is it's really not that 
that right there is not the way it is. Amen? Not, not as far as truth is concerned. That's a temporary situation that we're trying to make permanent because the world sees it that way. Anything that's out of whack in your life came from the world. The world is temporal or temporary. It wasn't your, the world is not eternal. It's not. All the things that the governments of the world are not eternal. They're temporary. And, and if you don't believe that, ask some of the leaders in the world. They're always worried about who's going to take over, who doesn't like what they, the laws that they pass, and all this kind of stuff. So they know that they can be replaced at any time. Same thing with the things that come from the world. Anything that has to do with the curse of the broken law is temporary. It's temporal. God never meant for us to be like that forever. When he told Adam in the day you disobey me you will surely die. He had the power over death then. All Adam had to say father I'm sorry can I live again. I mean, you're you're talking to the author of that. Death is not final. Sickness is not final. A diagnosis is not final. Amen. These things are from the world. They are temporal or temporary. So if we will keep it in the right perspective, whenever we have to confront sickness, confront symptoms or something like that, know that that's going to go away at some point. That's going to leave here at some point from this natural physical realm and the the restoration and healing of God will manifest amen and so if you will will uh, let Jesus help you with your confession he'll tell you how to express from your spirit the right terminology you have to do this the right way you have to express the right terminology amen so he is the high priest over our confession let's hold fast our profession or confession same thing for we and and this is why because we don't have a high priest that doesn't understand pain doesn't understand sickness separation fear any of that he he's been touched with the feelings of our weaknesses so that makes him a great high priest. Amen. He knows he knows how much a human being can endure. He knows how much we suffer. He knows when to deliver us from testing, all that kind of stuff. He understands everything. So it says, therefore, let us he's, he was tempted in all points like we are, yet without sin. So he did it right, and we can do it right too. So then let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. That we may obtain mercy and find a grace to help in the time of need. Now that 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 uh, word boldly means without uh, condemnation, without fear, without conviction. There's nothing separating. That you should not be reluctant then to come to God for any of your needs and hold fast your confession. So the word confess, you know, we we got to understand what we're talking about here. If he's the high priest over our confession, what does it mean to confess something? Now, confess, you know, people look at it in a negative light. 
or when we talk about it as far as faith is concerned it, it comes out almost like an empty word that doesn't have much meaning you know it's kind of like parroting or saying but that word really means to uh, say together with homologia is a Greek word homo means same logia means word so we say the same words that God says God does not say he's going to heal us he says we are healed so if you're saying together if you're homologian with God you're speaking together with him you're saying the same words that he says you've got to say it like he says it that word also means confession also means to acknowledge so you got to talk about it you won't get healed if you don't say you're healed you can't believe on the inside of you somewhere and never confess it it's a confession that's just like the 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 uh, 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 police interrogators, one of my fave. Now, uh, they like it when they have all the evidence and they put it before the accused or the suspect, and they get a confession. When you get a confession, you don't have to convince. A jury that that person is guilty. They've already said they are. So if you have a confession, you have more weight for your case going into court than if you don't have a confession. So when we go before the throne, we have more weight in favor of our case if we confess everybody got that see you can have evidence the the cross his death his resurrection you can have scripture uh, Isaiah 50 54 4 53 4 uh, by his stripes you were healed or you are healed you can have all that evidence but if you never confess it the weight of your evidence is a little flimsy so one of the ways to get your faith stronger is through a good confession and not just saying God uh, I want to be healed or I thank you that I'm healed or I thank you that you're healing me no thank you I am healed so you're saying like God says by whose stripes you were healed by whose stripes you are healed it's never in the future tense it must be in the now because of the past got me he was slain before the foundation of the earth so you are healed you are wise you are prosperous you are good looking you are whatever it is you need from God to complete your life amen you are I am married I have a good spouse I have you know what I'm saying you just never let go of that confession to uh, confess also means to give thanks 
It also means to promise or to assent to something. When you give assent, A-S-S-E-N-T, assent, to something, that means you say, yes, okay, I want it. So your confession says, yes, okay, I want it. Or yes, okay, I have it. You got me? And so when you, if it's something that's already given, it's I have it. Okay? So you're giving assent to what verbal assent to what God has for you. So remember, a confession always strengthens your case. If your case is you want to get rid of uh, sickness in your body or symptoms in your body or whatever you want to call it, a confession strengthens your case. It always does. When you go before the throne of, of grace, thank God, Father, I thank you by your stripes, Jesus, I am healed. I am healed. I am healed. And that's all you have to say. You don't have to explain why you're saying you're healed. This is where Christians get into trouble trying to explain. No, I'm just saying what God says. I'm repeating. Do you mind if I repeat my father what he told me? Huh? So you begin to strengthen your case for healing with your confession. It always gets stronger when you confess. I know sometimes I'll be meditating, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed. And if I don't confess it, it's not as strong. What comes outside of you is always stronger than what's locked up inside. Amen. So we are to hold fast to our profession or confession. Don't Don't slip back into unbelief or believing in symptoms. Or trying to figure out why it's still the way it's always been. You're not holding fast to it. So you're letting it slip. And so you have to discipline yourself. Not to let your mind wander into the wise and the wherefores. I'll tell you why is there is the devil. He wants you sick. He wants you, <laughs> he wants you away from God. He wants you debilitated. He wants you uh, where you're out of commission. He wants you uh, unhappy. He wants to steal your peace. He wants you dissatisfied. And so he can work those things if he can get our attention and get our focus away from God. Amen. So don't focus on what you see, feel, and hear. Now you're going to see, feel, and hear a lot of things, but you don't have to focus on it. Don't park there and describe in great detail how deep the pain is, how often you have it, how terrible it is, and I can't believe it's still here, and I've been confessing the word. And Don't give yourself a report card on what God's doing. It's not your job. You want to receive. Amen. And if you pray and believe you receive it when you prayed, you have it already. You're not waiting for it to manifest either. You have it already. See, you're speaking like God speaks. So all of these little explanations, we have to quit doing that if we're going to get what we need from God. You quit explaining uh, why it's not here yet. It is here. You have it. It's just not in a form everybody can see and appreciate (laughs) (laughs) But it's there. Amen. By faith it's there. It's there because God says it's there. No other reason. Because he says it's there. So we're not to slip back into unbelief. 
Don't let yourself slip. Hold fast your confession. No matter what happens, hold fast to it. Don't focus on what you see, feel, or hear. And then we are to look unto Jesus. That's Hebrews 12 if you'll turn there. People say, well, what do I do? Then what do I, they don't have to do anything. Just keep confessing what God says. Amen. We always think we got to make sense of everything. <laughs> it won't make sense. It makes heaven sense, but not earth sense. We're trying to bring heaven down here. And heaven has to come here a certain way. Heaven can't get here by earth language. You have to use heaven language to get heaven things here. It's like if I were to buy something from a merchant in Asia, at some point I got to talk to him his language. Got me? Unless he knows mine, you know, which he would have to translate. So we have to cross languages to get things from one realm to another. You know, we have to do that in an earthly fashion. You got to do that in heaven's fashion too. So, Hebrews 12, 1. Wherefore, seeing we are encompassed with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us. So, weights and sins do the same thing. Burdens, worries, concerns, explanations, trying to figure out why it's not here yet or why you still have the symptom or lay that aside. (laughs) And he says, let us run with patience this race that is set before us. So you can't run very well with a bunch of shackles, weights, anchors, heavy things. You're running a race. You're running from sickness to health. You're running from poverty to wealth. You're running from, from uh, you know, not knowing what you're here for to being obedient to the will of God. And he says, when you run this race, you have to stay focused. You can't focus on the natural. Don't focus on how you see, feel, or any of that. But look at Jesus. Looking unto Jesus. Look at the word. Look at what he's provided. Look at what he thinks about you. Looking unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. Our faith is not quite finished yet. Until you go to heaven, you still got to have more faith. You got to have faith for the liftoff, <laughs> for the transition, for the sendoff. Amen. So looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, Endured the cross, despising the shame, but yet he's seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So the things that are important to heaven seem foolish on earth. It's important to heaven that you say what God says about everything in your life. And that you believe in your heart what you're saying. You can't just throw it out there without faith, although... You keep saying that faith will come to you. One day it will plop on you and say, "Mm, I do believe that. I'm not just saying it anymore. I do really believe that. You got me? And so we express it with the amount of faith that we have. And then Jesus comes to perfect our faith. He can't perfect what we don't confess. So we must confess what he says. He is the author and the completer. 
or the perfecter of our faith. That word completer or perfecter really really uh, um, means to consummate your character. And to consummate means to come together with someone. So Jesus is making our character just like his. Amen. So he's the one who makes our character like his. Trust me, he's designed an obstacle course for everybody. <laughs> Hurdles to jump, uh, uh, races, sprints, squats, everything to to complete our faith. Amen. To to complete also means to accomplish. Your, he gets your faith to the point where it accomplishes things. Also means to make perfect. And it also means to fulfill. To fulfill. Now the word author, let me look that up. I forgot to write down. If I read it, write down what I read. I have it real quick. 747. Oh, RK. It means the beginning of something. Commencement. It also means chief. And it means chief in application, order, time, place, or rank. It means first the state, power, principality, or rule. So he is the power, the principal power of your faith. You can't do anything without Jesus ministering over your words, ministering over your heart. He started this faith for us. So we must go to him, talk to him, deal with him to get understanding of how to to do these things, how to accomplish great things with our faith. Be diligent about it because he is looking to do something to complete us, mature us, perfect us. He is developing something in us. And that is the God-like faith and not natural faith. So he's getting us, he's, he's kind of getting us off the bottle of living by the natural and defending the natural. So you have to kind of watch yourself because you'll want to try and defend what you're doing in the natural sense to um, instead of trusting the word you know you just really like I remember <clears throat> in the early days when we were uh, um, praying and, and doing all the things there would be people that would say well uh, you know I'm not feeling well and they'll get prayer well I got prayer you know and, and you know what's coming next they want to say well it's I don't think it's they, they want to say what they really believe is they don't believe in prayer and God taking care of their sickness or their illness and uh, then they'll say so why don't you pray and, and let God get in your word and see oh what do you mean I can't go you don't you think is it wrong for me to go to the doctor so they're defending their position of natural faith 
So there's nothing you can do with that unless you want to have a big argument and argue with people. So God will let you go and do your natural faith thing. But eventually that's going to run out. So he's trying to get us over on the supernatural. So if you have to take medicine or you have to go get an x-ray or surgery and you just can't take it anymore, go do that. But don't let that be your answer. Don't lean on that when you have a covenant of God, covenant with him of supernatural faith that you need to try that. You know, you don't need to keep defending the the doctor and the pill and they don't defend that that's not something that needs to be defended nor do you need to defend God either because he's God so it's a choice we make but the Bible also says how can we escape if we neglect so great a salvation everybody wants to pray for the sick and see a miracle and all that but we don't understand it comes uh, uh, um, in a a uh, program, it comes comes in a, a a program or a system or a plan in God's hands. See, God has a plan to get you there. He has a plan to get all believers there. If you're not there yet, you got to step into the first leg of the plan. And oftentimes that's standing on the word for yourself or your family or somebody else that you care about that you want to see do well. So that's the plan. The plan is when you when there's something wrong with you, go to God first and go in faith. Don't go and let somebody pray uh, pray for you. And you stand there like a brick trying to see if something's got. There's no faith there. Faith does not try to see if God's word will work. Faith knows it works. And faith is certain that it works. So when you go before God, you're open to receive what he has for you. Because faith, your faith in Christ is telling you that if that word worked to get you saved, if you believe you really are saved then there's no problem believing all the rest of it. You just need to get out of your comfort zone. We think if we take pills away from us, we're the worst people in the world, you know. Look at the people over in in poor nations. All they have is trusting God, you know. Uh, and And they get results. That's why you see people who have really large healing ministries. They say over in countries where there's very few doctors and very few hospitals and because people are stretched out in front of God and they receive their healing too. Well, we can do the same thing. Just believe that, that God will do it. Amen. Forget about, don't focus on your natural help. Focus on what God's telling you to focus on. He will help your faith. Jesus helps our faith greatly. You look at people he dealt with in his ministry. You know, the the uh, Syrophoenician woman that he called a dog and she got mad and said, well, I can get crumbs from the table. He said, great is your faith. He said, you walked, you jumped over three hurdles I gave you. Huh? So he was perfecting her faith. He He couldn't give it to her when she first requested it. That's what we got to understand about this. You don't want God to cheat, give you a a pass on your faith exam. You really don't want that. You want your faith, because faith is so precious. 
Your faith is resilient. Your faith will take you through the most difficult times of your life. And you can do it. It's not too hard. You just got to unplug your TV and unplug your Walkman and unplug your, you know, your little sweet music and stuff like that. You unplug your gospel music, your Christian contemporary music. And get in the word. Get before Jesus. Start worshiping him. With acapella. <laughs> you know. Just you and your voice. And start worshiping him. And talking to him, tell him what you need, thank him for what he's just given you before you leave the throne room. And then when you go out, confess that you have it already. That's all you got to do. And you don't have to confess 15 hours a day. Don't, don't make it out to be a job. It's really not a job. But you do have to watch yourself to hold on to it in your heart. You can't let your heart slip away from it and start looking at natural things what you're scared of what you want that you don't have and how desperate you are for it you can't do that kind of stuff you stay stay focused on jesus looking unto him he is the author he is the finisher of our faith so he's developing something in us he's developing god-like faith not natural faith so you don't go to him To get confidence that the doctors will do a good job. (laughs) Uh You won't get confidence that they'll. But you will get a peace. When you've connected with God. God I don't know. I'm feeling real bad. They say I need this. And and I want to believe you. And and how do I do that? And if you get instruction that you you just feel like you're failing on it. You go anyway. And then ask him for his mercy. You know send your mercy through this. Father be with me. And don't let him slip. And don't let him kill me. And don't let him hurt me. And all this kind of stuff. Amen. And so uh, many times, you know, people get complications in these situations. And I don't know why they have them. But that's part and parcel of the natural root of doing things. See, God will give you peace about going that route. And he'll help you. But he really wants you to get meditate on that word and hide it in your heart. And confess that word. And call those things that be not as though they are. That's what heaven does. You have to talk like he talks. So he is the author and the perfecter. It is his job to begin and end us in faith. So he's developing the God-like faith in us. And he is accomplishing things through our confession of faith. What's he accomplishing? He's accomplishing perfection and maturity in us. He doesn't want us to be little children tossed to and fro with every wind and wave and doctrine. You know, people that you know. Oh, oh, I'm I'm uh, I'm in the people uh, um, uh, <laughs> crack me up. Is these over these these churches in the God's gorgeous girls club in a church and just go home. You know, just don't have that meeting. You know, if it's not going to 
do anything to build your spirit up. You're just strutting around in, in tight pants and high heels and you're the pastor's wife. And you understand what I'm saying. You don't need to mess around in the church like that. Just go, go do that someplace else. But see, if it looks like it should be in the club and you're scared to put it in the club, you need to repent of that thought and don't take it any farther. Why would you put it in the church among a bunch of church women to put another image up there that God, you know, the Bible says you dress modest. You know, when when you come in a room, they should see what's inside of you, not so much the outer package. You know what I'm saying? I'm not big on, you know, just going everywhere looking like a slob, but sometimes you had him days. But I'm um, you know what I'm saying? I mean, just be human, be normal, do you? Selling hundred fifty dollar tickets and you know, oh, just come on now, just don't have that meeting. Just don't do that. If, if you're not going to do treat, teach teach these righteous people how to obey the gospel with signs following. And fruit that remains, just go sit down. You know, cancel the, tea, the glitter t-shirts, cancel the whole show, you know, all that kind of stuff. Let's not take it any further than just the symbol of God's goodness to us. We don't have to make a whole program out of that kind of nonsense. There's nothing there so empty and hollow, pathetic. So, anyway, so much for that. But uh, God is developing God-likeness in us. Through our confession and through the word that we hide in our heart. So he's accomplishing perfection and maturity so that we will grow up. We won't be tossed to and fro by every wind and every wave of doctrine. Because you can get caught up in some nonsense out here. Just because somebody is in front of a pulpit that doesn't make their message either accurate or for you. You have to find what's for you. So in this world that we live in because the communication is so wide open and people can hear what they want to hear. It's even more difficult to stay on the right path in God. Because it's easy to your flesh to get distracted by these things that look so tempting and tantalizing and, and wonderful you know so Jesus is developing something in us he's accomplishing perfection and maturity so that we can do three things that I thought about number one that we may please the father that's that's tops top on the list number two we can receive covenant blessings that's the second thing we usually put it first don't we And number three, we can be mature and stable and withstand the fiery darts of the enemy. So you got to live on earth. You go live here. And so Jesus is finishing your faith and his goal is to allow you to please the Father. Allow you to receive the things you need from your covenant by seeking first the kingdom and his righteousness you want to stay in that righteousness mode so that you can please God your faith 
and you can be mature and withstand. You you got to do this with endurance. You can't just get one thing from God, run off, and think you got everything. He wants us to to be strong people who can endure. Hebrews eleven six. I think that's without faith it's impossible to please God. Yeah. So you want to please the Father. When you come to God, you got to believe, number one, God's alive. I know many times we live our life like he's dead. <laughs> Not acknowledging him. Seeking his counsel on everything. I don't care if you do know a good way to do things. God has a better way. So we have to please the Father. Now sin causes separation. And this is not pleasing to God. He's not, you know, when you think what you do is cute, God doesn't. I'll put it that way. We can always make excuses, give a lot of reasons and all that kind of stuff. Why we disobey or not mindful. Uh, But he doesn't think it's funny. And he doesn't think it's cute. Even down to, you know, small and minute things. If there's something that's in your heart to do and you fail to do it, don't think you get a pass on it all the time. So, you know, it takes discipline to complete things. You have to learn to complete things. Don't be a quitter when you're a child of God because he doesn't quit. Sometimes we'll look at some things as being optional. Oh, that's okay. Not everything's okay. You know, break yourself of the habit of um, excusing incomplete tasks. Learn how to complete things. Be a completer. You can put things off and, and they pile up and pile up and then pretty soon you got a disaster on your hands. Well, because you you have failed to complete things. And there, it's possible to complete everything that's in your heart to do. And add to it. You know, you can, you can do that and you can add to what you do. It, the, for me, uh, some of the things that I do... Um, that I have to get involved in physically, like using my hands. Um, I'll challenge myself to complete them and then move to excellence in them just because it's in my heart to do it and I don't like lying to myself. See, if I set out to do something, I mean to get it done because God lives inside me. You understand what I'm saying? He doesn't lie to me. And I know I'm not a liar when it comes to making plans, completing tasks, even though I make up the tasks myself. See, they're in your heart. But who lives there too? So God is giving a witness and giving a validation and verification for everything that you decide to do. There, you know, there's, there's nothing you do outside of him having input, 
him having knowledge if it's not right to do he'll you'll get it uh, uh, you back up off of that huh but you look in the bible people who uh, who accomplish great things what did Nathan tell David when David told him he was planning to he wanted to do this for God and he said and he said do whatever's in your heart to do why he had he was a man after God's own heart that doesn't mean he did everything right all of the time that's if we get that out of our heads of condemning because we're human we can we can move on and accomplish but I don't believe there's anything I set out to do that God does not want me to complete and do well there's nothing see and there's and I should be that way too I should take on that character of God so that when I I say I'm going to do something I complete it and I do it well you know it's it's like I'll do things like even when we set up a menu you know people say well I couldn't do I said don't tell me you couldn't do it you could you chose not to oh you're mean no I'm telling you the truth and I'm helping you if you understand it you got me because that is not true we don't ever have too much on our plate to do if we organize it if we schedule it just like them people you work for Mr. Gary Chrysler wouldn't let you get on the line and and cause the line to shut down every day they fire you nope we set up a reasonable schedule for the employees that we have and we know in a certain number of hours we can turn out this much product why we need that so we can pay you and pay the bills and they pay the shareholders and everybody's happy happy if somebody falls down on the job somebody ain't happy happy and so we even if it's just you and God and you know between you and God that there's something lacking that was not accomplished you need to go back and make up your mind to get it done there's no past in God's kingdom there's no excuses for not accomplishing we have everything that we need to accomplish great things we all want to be great we all want to be wonderful we all want to be thought well of well you can put in the effort for that report to come back about you and it all has to do with your faith it has to do with how you use your faith what do you believe about yourself now that God is in control of your life and how do you carry that out and I'm telling you carrying it out on the smallest of details is very very important very important uh, when we have dinners if there's something missing off the menu the girls didn't put it out there I'll say you know so and so is missing and they're waiting for the day when I fail to tell them that it ain't coming you got me it's not coming Huh? I don't care if it's salt and pepper. Huh? It should be on the table every time we have something to eat. Hello? And people scramble. <laughs> you know, they're, they're killing themselves trying to get some things and they look at it. Oh, I got that done. They, phew! Get up. There's more. <laughs> have you forgotten this? You see, what we're doing, we make it, it's so big to us instead of us embracing it in God and saying God I know you're going to help me with this help me get my faith in gear 
Help me not to be a punk. <laughs> Help me to grow up and quit thinking everything I do. It takes so superhuman effort. You keep thinking like that. Bible says lay aside the weights and the sins. It's just pride. We want to look good doing everything. We don't want to humble ourselves and just say, you know, I got to get in there and dig in here and get this done until I get it done. Got me? And so, and, and God will tell you when you've done good. You don't pat yourself on the back. You wait for God's peace and his well done to hit you so that you, you get it done and you get it done well. Got me? So these things are, are essential. Very essential. For instance, like uh, recently um, uh, uh, um, in getting our, our equipment to, um, to the Rejoice Detroit. See, Mr. Gary was getting the equipment there and he realized it was a tight fit in that van. So instead of whining, complaining, leaving the people behind, he decided, well, let's, we got to get this done. So let's get a trailer. Even though it's more effort, it's more time, it takes, it's, this is how you get things done. See, you don't cut back. You can cut some things back. You can cut everything out. You know, I'll see people look at their bills and say, well, if I didn't have all these bills, I could do so. And don't ever do that. Expand the borders of your mind. God can, God's got enough money to pay your bills and get you everything else you want besides. You've got to develop your faith. You've got to start asking him and expecting him to give you more. You don't put yourself on a fixed income and think if you didn't have to, I didn't have to give to God. If I didn't have to do this. If, I, well, if you didn't have to do any, what would you do with money? If you didn't use it to support your living. It's childish. Children think like that. Adults think, pay your bills and go live off the rest. If there's anything you want extra, amen. You you ask him and ask in faith and, and make your request known to God. What's wrong with asking God for it? Oh, you'd rather cut corners, you know, rob Peter to pay Paul. Don't shout me down. We all scheme and do crazy things instead of going to God. God, give me a plan for what, well, how you want me to live. Give me a plan for, for, you know, being able to do all the things that in my heart to do. Not my flesh, not my lust, but in my heart to do. You'll find out you got very few little stuff in there that really needs doing. Most of it is, you know, I get the money one day and <laughs> I'll tie one on. You know, I, there's some things that I would like to have, but they're not really in my heart to have or I would be asking God for them. See, they're just head thoughts, you know. It would be nice to, you know, like I was thinking one time, I said, yeah, I would like to have at least a couple pieces of Louis Vuitton luggage. Well, it's not novel. It's not new. It's been around forever. So I don't really have it in my heart to really want that. Or I'd be asking, I probably have it by now. You know what I'm saying? Knowing me, I'll be sitting there on eBay and I'll say, huh? 
they're my stuff. Let me get, you know what I'm saying. But, you know, it just, and then I think about it. I said, man, it, even if I did, it would come at a couple thousand dollars, the cheapest, even for used stuff. There's too many other things I'd do with $2,000 of it. You understand what I'm saying? So those things don't get in your heart necessarily. But they're in your flesh and in your lust. And so we do many things out of that motive instead of making the request to God. Because sometimes we're ashamed of what we want. You got me? (laughs) You know, it just, I mean, you know, we don't think God will give it to us when he really will. You know, he, there's not too much that he censors. You know that that we desire. You know sometimes certain things just look nice to us, and you know, and I know God will do it because He's given me enough things. You know, but some things we just—I'm just saying that to say—you have to be careful not accumulating requests. Make sure it's in your heart what you're asking for. Got me? Make sure it's in your heart. So we want to please the Father with our faith. We said sin causes separation. You want to be close to God. And this isn't pleasing to God. So he fixed the sin issue by the work of the cross. The finished work at Calvary fixed the sin issue. It's not a problem anymore. Not a problem to God to forgive us. It's a problem for us sometimes to confess it, ask forgiveness, and then let the cleansing work cleanse our consciences. We keep reminding ourselves of what we did wrong, you know. And sometimes you'll be sitting, your mind just drifts somewhere, and, and then it will drift on. And remember that little girl you didn't like in sixth grade? And you, you know, but they. God save her. Where is she now? I hope she's doing well. Yeah, all this stuff. Well, whatever. But but the enemy will do that to us. You know, always dredging up something. You know, when you when you got saved, everything you'd done up to that point was forgiven. Amen. And and really, the your desire to sin greatly diminished. Amen. When you get saved, so you're totally. A new creature, totally different person. So your sin is not pleasing to God, so he fixed it with the cross. He gave us Jesus. And when we believe on him, we please the Father. You have to believe in in Jesus, his work, his words, his plan for you. You have to put everything on him and all your trust in him. So when we come to the Father in faith, he's pleased. Your confession expresses what you believe. I don't care if it's an unintentional. You know how you'll say something you know, under pressure and you say, oh, I was just kidding. No, you weren't. You really felt that somewhere. It came from somewhere. It just wasn't. You know, even sometimes people who are just kidding, there's something, something a little not clean in some of that. You know, like even wanting to spotlight somebody or spotlight a fault or something like that. So we all have to be careful that we're not getting into iniquity. 
in that way. Your confession expresses what you believe. We said that. If you have faith in God, that is accounted to you as righteousness. It's not you that's righteousness. That's righteous, but righteousness is added to your account. If you were righteous, you wouldn't even have to. You wouldn't, you wouldn't do anything wrong ever. But it's accounted to us as righteousness. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. When you're obeying him. So it's an imputed thing. We have to always remember that. Because some of these people will say you don't have to keep confessing your sins. They are thinking they are righteous. And that's wrong. And it's imputed. And it comes straight from you. And then you don't own it. You wear it. Man, you possess it. As long as you stay in the the uh, uh, arena of obedience, in the arena of faith, you wear righteousness. Man, so we, you know, we have to be careful that we don't start counting our sin as righteous. You don't want to cross that line. You know, where everything you do is right and you never do anything wrong anymore. That's wrong thinking. You know, people, there's some teachings out like that. Man, I get sick of hearing some of these people with the nonsense they they try to perpetrate. Listen, teach those people how to go preach the gospel and get their family saved. And quit trying to pump them up and make them think they're more than what they are. Leave people alone. You know, they get a big audience with a lot of this stuff. And it's just wrong really wrong you need to get those people out doing things for God bring somebody in there who knows how to prophesy to them and tell them what they're called to do and release them to do it you know that kind of stuff it's just this little this entertainment thing we have going on it really sickens me you know I don't mess with it so I don't have to criticize it and I can stay focused on what God's given me to do you know so Righteousness says, when, when God sees the imputed righteousness, when he sees faith, and he accounts it to you as righteousness, faith in what Jesus Christ has done, has accomplished. Righteousness says that you're okay with God. Righteousness says that God likes what you are doing. And righteousness says you please him. So it speaks. It has a voice that speaks in the in the realm of the spirit in the throne room of God. And as from there your confession is heard, and you can have what you say at any time. So that's the beauty of faith. We can't put a time limit or a time um, expectation on it. No, it just. Now sometimes when things are imminent you get that that sense from the Holy Spirit. You know, you, you grow in understanding how to do do that, but, but pretty much uh you can receive at any time. There's you don't know when it'll happen because that's part of the invisible thing that goes on with our faith. Other than that, you could set a timer for everything. Well, I'll confess the word for about usually three days. Tops, <laughs> and I got it. You know, I've done that. 
it works for a minute, but then there's some things I got myself entangled in. A three days didn't quite do it. You got me. That sometimes you can still be laboring over those things. So, so um, it, it you have to take it that God knows the day and the hour. He's a righteous God. He's not withholding something from you that you could have already. You know, that's not God. He's not a teaser. And so, uh, you but you must stay. In a place where you please him, that's what your faith is for. That's what Jesus, he wants to develop that desire in you to be pleasing to the Father. You know, it's got to be that relationship. Because then that will guide you more than what you need and, and you know, your, your, what you have in your heart is obedience. You know, we think we, we know what obedience is. Uh, sometimes we think I'll do this for God and no more. We'll forget the no more if you are a child of God. And because righteousness does not set a limit on your obedience. It can't. Righteousness just wants to please God all the time. So, um, uh, so from there your confession is heard and you can have what you say at any time. Your confession, number one, pleases God. When you confess, you say together with God like he says, that pleases him. So you'll say I'm healed and then your, your, your natural man hears it and starts to want to argue with it. You ever say that? You say, I'm healed, and something in your head kind of puts up a wall against that? Well, that's going to happen. Your, your carnal brain is going to guard you against the impossible. There's a protection. Now, unbelief, say for instance, if, if you made a confession that you can fly off the top of this building well your your carnal brain will make you stop to protect you from doing what's impossible but if God told you to do it and you had total confidence you can float right off of there you see what I'm saying so that faith would override your unbelief but unbelief is there for a reason it came with the carnal mind to protect you from getting in over your head from getting frustrated and entangled in things that you can't accomplish through natural means you know I mean? so you know like uh, um, well think of anything that's impossible to stupid you know I'm going to dive off in this you know the daredevil people they're all going, always going to dive 50 feet in a, a four four foot pail of water or something like that well you're not going to be able to do that without suffering harm and damage now you'll do it if you're a daredevil you know because you just that's how you live and you like the thrills but your brain is constantly telling you don't do this don't do this do it. you just override it got me and so same thing with Christians and relationships you know uh, you you go to uh, um, uh, what do you call it uh, say like a red lobster Fridays and as a Christian you need to sit at the table and eat wait for a table but you go sit at the bar 
And the bartender says, what do you have? (laughs) You got me. Um, You override your peace of God. So you're a daredevil. Well, one person thinks it's funny. You know what I'm saying. Some things your faith will tell you back off, back off, back off, back off. Because that same devil that used to get you drunk is still sitting at the bar waiting for you to come and get your, even if you've not been to that bar before. He's there luring you over to the bar to see if he can get you drunk and disorderly. Amen. <laughs> I went out with some of the younger little younger little girls in the ministry. We went out and the bartender comes up, you know, and we're sitting at a table. I said, can I get you something from the bar? I said, no, thank you. I said, these young ladies have the unfortunate experience of being out with their pastor. I said, if you want this place to remain normal, don't give any of us anything to drink. You know what I mean? Me, number one. You know? so. <laughs> so anyway, your confession <clears throat> pleases God. And it targets your faith on something you desire. That's the important thing. It shows you believe God. Now your confession does all of this. And it resists the devil. So it holds the devil off of that situation that you're, you're believing God for. Your faith confession does. It shows God that you believe him. And it targets your faith on something you want. And it, and it pleases God. And all of this is done in the throne room. Nobody else has to hear you confess anything. Nobody has to judge your request. Nobody, God's not doing any of that. He's just allowing you to express your, your confidence in his covenant. That's what you want. You want your covenant activated. You want your covenant working at all times. And so this is the way it works. You speak heaven's language. You expect heaven's results. You talk like heaven talks. And then you give God something to work with. It pleases him and he will work. Jesus will work with your confession. He will minister over your words. Amen. If you want him to minister over your words, you must talk his language. You must call things that be not as though they are. And we'll finish talking about that tomorrow, I guess. Yes, we will. We will finish that. Amen. Praise God. Father, thank you for your word and for understanding. Thank you, Father, for the liberation that comes, the freedom that comes. When we hear your word, we understand your word, and we obey your word. So we thank you, Lord God of heaven and earth, for your holy word. We bless you and we praise you for all things. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen again. If anybody needs prayer, come on up. We'll pray for you.